Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. Have you guys been enjoying this series called The Way and the different things that we've been learning along the times that we've been able to examine the scriptures? Well, one of the things that God wants to show us is how practical his word really is. Sometimes to extrapolate from the scriptures meaningful information and how to apply that in our everyday lives isn't that easy. One of the things that we want to do is always try to understand what does this mean for us today? How does this change my life in the moments that I'm living? And how can it make a difference in the lives of others once I learn it? And one of the things that Paul wants us to gather from the information that we're receiving is that God has something new to teach us no matter what the moment of our life we are living is. And Paul finds himself in prison and he is chained to guards. He is facing execution. His life isn't looking so great right now. But yet in the moments where he would be trying to maybe reach out to, for comfort and maybe for joy through maybe the lives that others can somehow bring into his hardships, he is instead providing joy for them and saying that his joy is to see them succeed. It's a tough thing to see others succeed when we aren't advancing at the rate that we would like. It's hard to be happy for people when we're waiting for the right relationship and they just announce their engagement. It's hard to celebrate someone's promotion when we're still stuck in a job that maybe, you know, is just once again demonstrating how we're underpaid and undervalued. It's hard to appreciate what we have when there's always someone who seemingly has something more. It's, it's hard to even sometimes be encouraged when you're trying to build a small business and, and it's hard to get customers through the door or you're trying to build a following on social media and it doesn't seem like you're connecting with your audience. And you're seeing other people who are doing it and succeeding at it and you're wondering how and why. And sometimes in us, this creates this sense of ambition for things that we are wanting. And it's really hard. I mean, I think our whole life, we're always trying to figure out what is it that I really want and what is it that I really need? And those small choices every day can be as simple as in a thrift store, buying something that we don't need or making a purchase online that we thought would make our lives better or somehow buying something for someone else just so that we can see them appreciate and love us even for a brief and fleeting moment. Whatever it is that we do to make ourselves feel better, we sometimes don't realize that in the moments in which we are pursuing, we are actually possibly losing things along the way. And maybe what we're losing is far more important than what we think we're gaining. Maybe we're losing sight of who we are and 
what our lives are supposed to be about. Maybe we're losing sight of what this is supposed to be about and, and not fully understanding the implications of how we have actually lost ourselves along the way. Well, Paul says that there's a way for us to experience ambition in a way that can really bring about something new in all of our lives. I've been ambitious in my life. There have been goals that I've set for myself that I felt were there for the right reasons, only to discover after a period of self-examination that that goal was there just because I wanted to prove somebody wrong. Anybody been there? You just felt like you, you, you were living this because, and doing this because someone said that you couldn't or that you wouldn't succeed. It didn't matter who that person was. It could have been someone who told you this a long time ago, but you carry this around and it makes you ambitious to, to prove yourself to them in your subconscious and in, in your everyday choices since. Sometimes that ambition is actually a good ambition. It's, it's a goal that you set for yourself and it's in line with who you are and what you're about and how you want to make a difference in people's lives. But it sometimes it gets mixed up along the way. And it can become more about you than it is about helping others. And that's a really hard thing. Because when you're building something, even though you don't want the success to get to you, it does. And all of a sudden, that moment that is supposed to be about something greater can somehow shift to it becoming about you. And it, we wouldn't be the first people to live this or to experience it. We just have to catch it when it happens and catch it before it takes a hold of us. And we're going to look at some stories in the Bible and how that can most definitely be different for each of us. But let's begin by looking at Philippians and chapter 3. And there's a few verses here that I want us to just become familiar with. And it starts at verse 18. And verse 18 says, For I've told you often before, and... I say it again with tears in my eyes that there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. And Paul says that they are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. In other words, it's their ambition. And they brag about shameful things, things that have brought them success. And maybe they have, it is, it is, it is the fulfillment of their pursuits, but it's really nothing to be proud of. And then they think only about this life here on earth. And so their focus is about how their ambitions have brought blessings, but it has brought prosperity, it's brought some kind of fortune and fame, and it's brought something that has fulfilled them, but it's all about here on earth. And it doesn't have any heavenly value. And then verse 20, Paul says, but I want to remind you all, we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. And so what Paul does is that he says that there's a certain type of person who is ambitious, but they're ambitious for the wrong things when we are citizens of heaven. So our focus shouldn't be just about accumulation and satisfying ambition here on earth. It needs to be about being a citizen of heaven of living for what is right in a way that honors who is right. And so God says, where do you get your ambition? 
And interestingly enough, I think that when we have an opportunity in front of us and there's an opportunity for advancement, why wouldn't we want to take it? I think we live in a society in which advancement is valued more than we sometimes give it credit. And we sometimes advance for the very purpose of advancement because staying where we are and being satisfied with what we have somehow is just seen as settling. But what if God wants you to remain where you are instead of advancing, taking that promotion, taking on that bigger debt, taking on that bigger responsibility, taking on more and doing more and expanding because we live in a mindset of if you aren't expanding, then you are somehow retreating. What if God is telling us that it isn't about what the world values and how it gives value to that, but what does it mean to do these things and to live this way while being a citizen of heaven? And all of a sudden, we take our perspective, which can be corrupted by the culture, but can also be corrupted by our own character, it can also be corrupted by our own choices, and we turn instead to a teaching that tells us, what if I bring all of this instead to Christ? And I ask Christ to become the Lord of my ambition. And I ask him to take authority over my ambition. And I ask Christ to help me understand where am I getting my ambition from? Can I stop getting my ambition from my career? Can I stop getting it from the house or from the car that I own or want to own? Can I stop getting it from the degree or the certificates or the accomplishments that tell everyone in my industry that I'm the best at what I do? Can I stop looking at the relationship that I don't have or or do have, or wish I had, and start looking instead at something that has far more value and meaning than the number of followers I may have gained on my platforms and social media, and instead look at how I can live my life in a way that isn't about bringing honor to my name here on earth, but instead Jesus' name everywhere throughout the earth. It takes a different way of thinking, doesn't it? It takes an intentional step in that direction to see a transformation in our lives. And until we do that, well, we're not going to be able to understand how God can do something different when it comes to our ambition. The truth is, is that there's no shortage of things that we believe make us more valuable or seen. But what if we understood that there is nothing that you can do right now in your life that can make you more valuable or seen or loved by God? Doesn't that free you? 
Doesn't that free you to pursue the things that truly matter? If, if I accept this truth and I really begin to apply it, and I say, God, I'm not going to be driven by my own personal ambition anymore. I'm going to be driven by the fact that I know that you love me unconditionally. That you are going to bless me regardless of my imperfections. That you're going to forgive me every time I come to you and I surrender to you. You are going to be there for me and you are going to make a path for me. You're going to open a door for me. You are going to part the waters for me. You're going to do whatever it takes for me. You will even give me something to drink from something that cannot produce any water at all. You are going to strike the rock and give me the water that I need to be nourished and refreshed from that which is living because you are the only source that brings life to me. And when we understand these things, it, it changes our understanding of, of ambition. And, you know, ambition is that strong desire to achieve success, to, which is usually defined as, as power, wealth, personal glory, or fame. But I want us to think about what does selfish ambition look like and the pursuit of our own glory. Because what it does is this. Anytime you pursue selfish ambition, and this is what makes ambition selfish, is that it detaches you from the glory of God. And the person that we have as the best example of this in the scriptures and the origin of evil and the source of all that is dark is Satan himself. Satan proved what selfish ambition is. He said it this way, I will be like the Most High. And by saying those words, he declared what selfish ambition is. He, he wasn't living to give glory to God. He wanted to be God. And if ever you're struggling in trying to figure out, is this a good ambition or is this a selfish ambition? Just think of Satan and, and, and don't do what he did. Think about how he made a choice and a decision to be like God and therefore being under God, worshiping God, serving God, wasn't going to be enough. Now, even if you don't believe in a real Satan, and it's hard for you to trust and believe in a real God, know this. You can still learn from having right and wrong ambition. And I know that God will help you to figure things out on your spiritual journey as you continue to seek and search him. What Paul says is that our ambitions are going to fall into one of three categories. The first is that ambitions can be misplaced. And he says that you can either have them here on earth or you can have them there in heaven. He says they can be misdirected, where you care more about people and what they think and what they can give you than what God can give you and what he can do for you. And Jesus brought this up as well. He helped people understand that 
there were many in his day who were really powerful. And yet believing in Jesus would have downgraded their power. And it would have turned the Pharisees against them. And so they rather not go public with their belief in Jesus so that their ambitions in the world would remain unaffected. And I think about that and I think about, Lord, how many times in a very practical way do I not make it known that I am a follower of Jesus because I am prioritizing my ambition. I think about it, in, in the most insidious of ways, this can come up. It can come up in a conversation. It can come up in a boardroom. It can come up in an interview. It can come up in so many ways. It can come up even in a relationship because we don't want to turn this person off and come across as too much. I don't want to be that guy or that girl who believes in Jesus so much that becomes this expressive and vocal and takes a position and makes a stand and says, this is not where my ambition lies. And over and over again, we're going to talk about how we're spiritual, but spiritual is, so, is, is just beautifully vague enough that it doesn't have to point to Jesus. We're going to say that we are lovers of God, and, and we're, going to be, we're going to be vague enough that we're also going to accept someone's version of this being somehow just the universe and the good that it somehow is bringing you. And we're going to be okay with, with those statements because we're not going to go ambitious and political and we're not going to go too far in making what our heart really knows to be true. And it's not to deny someone else's experience or to say, hey, you know what, you speaking of the universe isn't going far enough. It's saying it like this, I have come to know and believe that Jesus is that universe. And then all of a sudden we have taken away any ambition of this world and any ambition that we may have in the eyes and in the opinions of others and we have brought it back to its rightful place where we are standing for God. And that's what people did even in captivity. People like Daniel who didn't have a chance to really do anything other than maintain their faith in captivity, but they did it to such a degree that even if it required them to be thrown into a lion's den, they didn't care about their ambition. They cared about how they were honoring God all the way through. And God honored Daniel and shut the mouths of lions. And anytime you're afraid and you think that someone's ambition can somehow affect your own, remember the story of Daniel and how there is no one who can come against you that is greater than the one who is always fighting for you. And that is our God. Can we say amen to that? 
And so we are reminded through the stories of the Bible of what ambition can look like sometimes. And sometimes we're good at just striking deals and negotiations and we're good at advancing ourselves. God has given us the gift of gab and the ability to somehow just walk our way through life uh, in a way that others may not be able to. And, and, and someone who was like that was the mother of uh, James and John. Like she was like really gutsy. She walked up to Jesus in Matthew chapter 20 and in verse 20. Let's take a look at this. And it says that the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. And she knelt respectfully to ask a favor. And then Jesus says, what is your request? And she replies that in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you. One on your right and the other on your left. Now that's one ambitious mom. She'll do whatever she has to do for her kids, right? And she wants to set them up for life. It doesn't matter if she's not set up for life. Well, she knows that it'll trickle down. But she really wants her sons to be on either side of Jesus. And Jesus says very respectfully back, you don't know what you're asking. And you don't know the kind of kingdom that I'm establishing. And you don't know what it means to be on my right and on my left. Because Jesus was also thinking about the day when he'd be hanging on a cross. He certainly didn't want John or James to be on either side of him. And certainly the mother didn't want that for her sons. And so Jesus tells her, your ambition is so misplaced. You don't know what the future holds. You see, when she made the request, she envisioned a kingdom that was very different than the kingdom that was to come. And so sometimes what our ambition does is that it drives us in a direction that is completely wrong, even when we have good intentions. And the mother of Jesus didn't know what the future held, but she just knew that her future was her son's, and she wanted to set them up. And our ambition can be so blind to what God has in store for us, even in the future, that it can just propel us to the wrong thing. And this story highlights that. I want to talk to you a little bit as we wrap this up today about what it looks like to sometimes build monuments to ourselves. Does anybody have any ribbons or trophies or just anything like that? speaks to a time of when you won something. I, I, I know we all have a participation ribbon somewhere, but I'm, I'm talking about an actual trophy, like you got first place, second place, something like that. I remember I was so ambitious in high school to be known as the best athlete in my school that I, there was a competition that had been put up and, and basically all it was was like for your jacket, you'd get like a huge R. It was like, that's it, that was it. If you got the most points, you'd get the R. And, uh, and when it came to the, to the assembly, when everybody was getting awards for math and science and French and English, the only thing I cared about was being the best athlete in my school. Anyway, I won the award. I got it. I still have that letter R, and it's a reminder of how insignificant an ambition can be. <laughs> It's actually served zero purpose in my entire life. No one remembers it. No one even thinks of it. But I'm reminded of it from time to time. 
And I remember that I wanted to be an athlete so bad that I, I trained in absolutely every discipline of sport to be, if not the best, then something close to it. Didn't matter what sport it was. And I really cared that much. I really did. And I believed that I would someday become a professional athlete. And when God got a hold of my life and began to change my ambitions, I finally understood how God could take your ambitions of wanting to be one thing and transform it for something else. Sometimes people ask me, Lorenzo, why are you the chaplain to every sports team in Montreal? And I say, because God changed my ambition. He took me from being and wanting to be an athlete to telling athletes about Jesus. He changed my life completely. And, and, and sometimes I get judged for doing it. People tell me, like, you're not focused on, you know, River's Edge enough, or you're not, you don't care about the people here. You, you, you're caring about sports? No. Because, you see, every one of us has been given a purpose in this life. And if you don't live out yours and you don't understand the ambition that honors God, then you will not live your best life here on earth for your citizenship in heaven. I care about my citizenship in heaven. I care about what my life looks like on earth. And I want to be ambitious about the right things. It's no longer about being an athlete. When I gave my life to Jesus, it was about making sure that athletes would come to know him. And when you understand this, all of a sudden your ambition changes. It gets transformed. And I just want you to think about this. What does it look like to apply that same principle in what you do? In, in what you do in the office, in what you do for, as a teacher, or what you do as a doctor or as a nurse, what you do as a lawyer, and what you do as a filmmaker, and what you do as a painter or a keyboardist or as any musician, a singer, whatever it is that God has gifted you and given you talent for. How does this platform now that God has given you, this opportunity to fulfill your ambition look like when it's surrendered to God? And then watch God tear down the monuments you've built to yourself so that you can build new monuments that are built to him. And here's what that looks like. You guys ever hear of this guy named Samson? Well, Samson is the strongest man that possibly ever lived. He had strength that rivals anyone in the DC or Marvel universe. He was the strongest superhero the world has ever known, but for real. And Samson's exploits are recorded, not just in the Bible, but they're recorded in the exploits of their enemies. In Judges 15, I want us to read these verses. In verse 16, it says, Then Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, I've piled them in heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, I've killed a thousand men. By himself. And when he finished his boasting, look at this, he threw away the jawbone, and the place was named Jawbone Hill. 
And in verse 18, it says, Samson was now very thirsty and he cried out to the Lord, you have accomplished this great victory by the strength, listen, by the strength of your servant. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of these pagans? And so God did something. He caused water to gush out of a hollow in the ground at Lehi. And Samson was revived as he drank it. And then he named that place, look at this, the spring of the one who cried out. And it is still in Lehi to this day. And so in the story that we have just read, there's two things that happen. God gives him the strength, but he calls that hill Jawbone Hill because it's about what he accomplished. God makes the water come out of the ground and he drinks to the point where he is not only satisfied but fully restored and nourished and yet he doesn't call that place in honor of God he literally calls it Enhakor which means spring of the collar and so for Jawbone Hill he calls it Ramath Lehi which means Jawbone Hill and so what he does is that he builds two monuments not to God but to himself God gives him great victories and forms an incredible miracle for his benefit. And what Samson does is that he takes credit for both. And I want you to see that it is so easy for us to do that in our own lives. To take credit for things that really we have no business taking credit for. That there's so much more that God wants to give us. And so if you want to understand what selfish ambition looks like, then look at Samson and see what he just did. God gave him the strength to take out a thousand enemies and he calls the hill after his own strength. Let's not be that guy. Let's not be that girl who achieves things in this world and in this life, who somehow looks at this life in this world and, and its accomplishments and somehow declares that it is somehow because of us. Selfish ambition is about being a rival to God's glory. Selfish ambition ends when we reflect God's glory instead. And so God is giving you the opportunity to reflect God's glory. I want you to think about your life. And you're going to look at your life and you're going to say, there's so much that is not ambitious about me. You don't know, like, really. Like, if I get up before 2 o'clock on, a, on any day, like, I am not ambitious. I, I want you to understand that that's, that's not how this works. I, I want you to look at the areas of your life where you know God can do something miraculous, but instead of letting him show you and redefine what ambitious, what ambition should look like for you, God has something new to reveal instead. I want power to be like the power that is found in Jesus. I want, I want power to be able to bless the lives of others like Jesus. If, if that becomes your ambition, you're going to be starting from the right place. Following Jesus when you don't know where to start is always the best place to start. 
following his example and how he lived his life, and then seeing how you can apply that in every area of your life, that's how you're going to be able to move away from selfish ambition to an ambition that is directed by God instead. And God is going to bless you. God is going to do great things in your life. He's going to do great things through your life. He's going to motivate you and encourage you. He's going to help you not to get up at 2 o'clock. He's going to help you to get up at a time so that you can live your best life. He's going to bring about change and transformation, not just in your mind, but in your heart, not just in your every day, but in the every day of the lives that God is giving you the opportunity to have influence with. See, every time God brings someone into your life, you need to ask this very important question. And that question has everything to do with ambition. If your first thought is, how can this person make my life better? Then you know you're starting from a place of selfishness. But if you think instead, God, how do you want to use me to make this person's life better than you know you're following the life in the lifestyle and in the footsteps of Jesus. Can we say amen to that? You see, when, when God changes your mindset, when you see a person for someone that God wants to impact, that God wants to transform, and God wants to utilize, and wants to bring his fullness into their life and he wants to use you for it, then you start to think like the Apostle Paul who doesn't have ambition for himself, but his ambition is for the people of Philippi. It's for the church in Philippi. It's for the Philippians. He wants to see their lives changed and transformed. That's the power that we're looking for. That's the ambition that we want to have. That's the change we want to bring about in this world. God bless you. Thank you so much. And I would ask that you just stand with me. And at the close of this gathering, we're going to take a moment to pray for Ukraine. Would you join with me as we would do that? And, uh, and we want to pray for Russia. And we want to pray that God would bring peace in the world, not just in this area of the world, but wherever there are conflicts, and we know that there are many. But right now, this is at the forefront of our attention. It's at the forefront of what's been happening, and it has undoubtedly implications for the rest of the world. It wasn't long ago where there was a vote that was taken in the UN, and somehow there were 35 abstentions. There were four that I think voted against and 141 that voted for Russia ending the war in the Ukraine. And sometimes we abstain from things because we feel like we can do that. It's an option. Often when we vote on stuff, there's, you, can, you can be for it, you can be against it, you can abstain, you can be neutral. Can I just tell you that in this life, according to the scriptures, you can never be neutral. You can never abstain from anything. You can never not take a stand. Either you're gonna be for it or against it. There's only two options. It's either light or darkness. There's no in-between. We live comfortably in the in-between. Let us not abstain from the things that matter. 
And so, Father, we come before you and we ask that you would change and transform that part of the world we know as Ukraine and that you would bring peace in that land, that you would somehow change the mindset of its leadership in Russia that, that, and you know that you are the one who can make kings and remove kings. And if a, a change is required, Lord, we, we, we surrender that to you. We don't know what the answer is. We don't know what the future holds, but we do know that there is war in our time. And we want to pray for the Ukrainian church and its believers. We want to pray for its pastors and leaders and for its believers throughout that country. And there are millions of them. Lord, I pray that you would bring about change and transformation in their lives, even as they find themselves imprisoned by this war. And many have lost loved ones to it. I pray that you would comfort them just like a church that is besieged. I pray, Lord, that you would free them. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening and God bless you immensely.